I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, I'm Daniela Kouye and a welcome to the COB. Well, what a market we have had. We had such a strong lead from Wall Street, but unfortunately, the Australian market did not uh, maintain those gains that we saw at the start of trade. So looking at the CBO 200, it looks like it's closed down around 5.3 points or four tenths of a percent. And the ASX 200 is off by around 22 points or three tenths of a percent at 6,954. And uh, really, it was a case that we, I suppose, the markets are taking a more cautious turn. And of course, after the close in New York on Friday, we did have the Moody's downgrade of the US. But let's look ahead, or let's look at the three themes today. And the first is a day. Data deluge. This week is a literally one of the biggest data dumps I think that we're probably going to see this year. Uh, looking at Australia, we have uh, both the wage price index coming out on Wednesday, unemployment data on Thursday. We have a big China uh, dump on Wednesday in terms of data. And of course, everyone will be looking to the United States tomorrow, Tuesday, because Tuesday their time, they will have their US CPI reading for the month of October and followed up by the PPI. But there is a lot more than that. So everyone will have to uh, be tuned and ready because no doubt there could be some volatility. Now, the second theme, smoked shorters. Well, couldn't help myself because Elders today was up by over 16%. Now, the company's results, it's not that they were that swish, but clearly they were better than expectations. And shorters were left scrambling, trying to cover their positions there. Also, oil on the up, is it or isn't it? So OPEC is going to meet this week and we have Iraq pushing for a further cut in terms of the exports for the major energy producers in OPEC+. But we also have a meeting between President Xi Jinping and President Biden in the United States. So energy, it might the prices might go up or then again, they might further weaken as the outlook for global growth potentially slows. Now, let's just check in with the sectors. Here we have energy. The main uh, downward drag here was Santos off by over 2% and Poland Viva Energy in the green, but Woodside off by about 0.8 and Beach off by about 0.3%. Now, the financials were dragged down lower by ANZ off by almost 3%, $24.77. They reported earnings today, which clearly 
disappointed the market. Commonwealth Bank and NAB traded higher, particularly NAB up by 1.6%, Westpac off slightly and Macquarie trading ex-dividend. So don't get too concerned if you see the shares off by about 2.4% to $158. Now let's have a look at the utility sector. A uh, bit of a mixed picture. Uh, Mercury NZ up 2%, Infratel up 1.3%. Just worth noting um, that the uh, Australian super is going to vote against the Origin takeover. Let's check in with some of those top stories of today because the first one, if we have a look at some of the share prices, Elders, as I said, reported a 38% slide in full year net profit to just over $100 million on a 4% slip in revenue. And the company has flagged that there will be some headwinds into full year 23. Also, it declared a final dividend of 23 cents, but markets are clearly liking that and shorts not liking it. Boral, meantime, they are up about 5%. They were up up over six to seven percent earlier they've upgraded their full year guidance to between 300 and 330 million dollars so the company is confident that the customers will continue to absorb price rises and costs are under control now ANZ as I said profit taking today as its full year cash profit missed expectations so that's despite jumping 14 percent to a record four points uh, for 7.41 billion dollars and net interest margin margins rose to 1.7% from 1.63, but they are looking to be under pressure in the year ahead. A final dividend of 94 cents a share was declared. Now, one of the big losers today was TPG Telecom, which has pulled the plug on a $6 billion bid to buy out rival Vocus Group's non-mobile fiber assets after the parties failed to agree to commercial terms. So that stock off by almost 11%. And Ramsey Healthcare and Syme Darby have finally put the ink on the deal to sell their hospital unit to Columbia Asia Healthcare for just shy of $2 billion. And the market really just, I suppose, pretty sanguine. The stock was down 2.4%. And also Ramsey forecasting net profit after the sale to be around $630 million. So stock of the day was Boral and our guests on the call were David Lane from Ordmanet and Daniel Ortiz from Lincoln Inc. Indicators. Positive announcement for the company. Um, as far as valuations concerned, we think that they're relatively expensive. So we've got a hold recommendation on them. Um, at at five dollars, they're they're probably a you know a bit above where we think they should be. Um, our analysts' fair value is four twenty five, but hazard a guess that perhaps they'd be looking at the announcement today and, and may make an adjustment to that. But at this point in time, we've got a hold recommendation on it. From our, from our money, we're probably finding better opportunities elsewhere at today's valuation, but uh, I still think it's warranted to, to have on the watch list because that margin story and the fact that they've been able to push prices higher, it probably does lead to a better business overall going forward for Boral. Okay, so if you owned it, would you hold it? Yeah, look, I think there's a case for holding it, certainly, okay. and potentially as the balance sheet improves, you know, capital management initiatives going forward, that'll probably be a positive for the company.
Okay, so the the our two guests weren't well, weren't that upbeat about Boral feeling it was either a hold or better opportunities elsewhere. So let's welcome our guest of today, Josh Gilbert from eToro, joining me on the CEOB. Josh, that Tash is looking pretty smart now. It's get, it's getting there, Danny. It's getting there. Like I said last week, all for a good cause. If I'm, if it makes me look silly. It is what it is. No, it's not. I think you're looking very Clark Gable, but you might have to Google that one. Uh, <laughs> so, Josh, we're not feeling the love down under at the moment when it comes to the, the share market. The US S and P 500 up five percent this month. Uh, Nasdaq 100 up seven percent. You know they've had the best rise in over two years. And the Aussie market just can't catch a trick at the moment. What's going on? Well, I think we're at completely different ends of of sort of these uh, tightening cycles. You know, we've, we've got sort of the Federal Reserve now who are, um, you know, kind of pointing towards that they're finishing. I know Powell sort of tried to sort of dampen that sentiment a little bit towards the back end of last week. But, you know, they've got sort of price uh, rate cuts priced in by you know, as early as sort of May, June, whereas you know, the RBA have just sort of restarted, um, you know, their hiking cycle with obviously another hike last week. Again, unlikely that we see another hike from them in December, but I think the market is still expecting, you know, something else. I think they, they still think that the cash rate could go to about four and a half percent. So the market, I think, is, is obviously taking that and um, it, it's it, it's obviously on the back foot because of it. Uh, and, and as well as that, you know, we, we're just obviously getting a bit of poor data as well from the likes of China, which is obviously having a big effect on some of those names. You know, oil prices, you know, having a big effect on on the energy sector and obviously financials as well, like ANZ today, you know, not really performing. And when you've got such a big uh, weighting to obviously those financial names, it's, it's obviously going to have a bit of an impact. And uh, when you've got the Magnificent Seven doing what they've been doing in, in the US over the last sort of couple of months, you know, I think they've made for almost 90% of um, US stocks gains this year from the S&P 500. So unfortunately, we don't have um, those sort of seven giants to, to sort of do the heavy lifting for us. Yes, the rest of the world doesn't have them either. <laughs> so they're exactly. in the same boat. Um, this week, it could potentially be the week that we see quite a lot of volatility coming through with this massive data dump or data deluge, as I um, called it. Do you think as we go in the run up to uh, the debt ceiling negotiations on Friday with all this data, particularly US CPI, do you think we could see a bit of profit taking move into the US markets? Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair, given, like you say, as you know, the the sort of risks I think coming into this week. We've got U.S. inflation figures a lot from China. Um, obviously, that that sort of um, government shutdown potentially again. Markets, I think, have ignored this sort of so far. I think you know, at times, you know, this is sort of never really had a huge effect on markets. I think that's because investors have assumed that we'll get a sort of a speedy resolution, um, and it doesn't necessarily have sort of long-lasting uh, economic damage but then when you sort of throw in some of those uh, other big events this week like US inflation I think we've got more than 20 Fed speakers this week as well there's the potential um, for you know volatility to pick up um, and I think also you know I think there's probably more risk here that the markets markets end up on the back foot rather than on the front foot here so wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of profit taking especially after we've had such a good uh, recovery, if you like, after what was a really poor sort of five or six weeks from the S&P 500. Um, I think, you know, probably US inflation and the Fed speakers, I think are probably going to cause much of that volatility. Again, you know, I don't think US inflation is probably going to show anything too um, unexpected, expected to see declines in both headline and core. 
But I think we're going to get that uh, stern tone from Fed speakers that we've had from Jerome Powell in the last week. Um, you know, I think ultimately they're not going to want to let markets sort of uh, run away and undo sort of the good work that the Fed have, have sort of already done. You know, and like I say, markets for, for now are pricing in that rate cuts are on the horizon, but there's no chance that um, many of those Fed officials are, are going to allude to that anytime soon. By inference, just listening to what you're saying, uh, we might see a backup in uh, US yields as well if we do get such a hawkish rhetoric. And uh, it's just interesting because Ed Yardeni came out uh, and uh, he has said over the course of the weekend that because yields have come down, he's put 4,600, the target on the S&P by year end, sees that as possible. And uh, also 5,400 next year if yields stay down. So listening to what you're saying, really, it, it does come down, do you think, to what the bond yields do? Yeah, I think so. And I think from, from our perspective, we, we don't see much further upside from here, from yields. Um, and we think that the you know, markets are you know, are going to be in for a sort of a stronger year end. Last sort of couple of months, we, we see is sort of being sort of pretty positive, and that is simply coming from the fact that we believe that inflation is continuing to move in the right direction. The U.S. economy is sort of slowing, but it's you know this is not moving towards uh, sort of a recession. It's a it's a healthy sort of slowdown that we're sort of seeing, and ultimately that is you know going to mean that the the Fed has the scope to to sort of cut, and and that's sort of the the reason that we are positive. Uh, on you know U.S. stocks are heading into sort of year end, and, and I think we've got a lot of positivity as well from from earnings season as well. Um, you know, it wasn't just the magnificent seven that delivered more than sort of thirty percent earnings growth, but you know, more broadly, we're starting to see uh, the the sort of the earnings recovery sort of come through. We've had this sort of earnings trough, uh, and I think that's really positive for for sort of markets. But yeah, as you say, we, we don't believe that the yields have much higher to go from here. We we believe that they have already sort of peaked by now, and we struggle to see it sort of go much higher than where they have been. So for investors, should they still be looking to add to their US stocks if we see a pullback um, this week in anticipation of further upside moves in the Santa rally? Yeah, look, I, I do think that, um, you know, Santa's going to have his bags packed. He, you know, um, <laughs> Chancer and, and all the other reindeers are going to be coming in full force. No, but look, I think I think that um, I think there's some positivity, as I say, going into year end, and we see any weakness across, you know, real quality stocks, especially across those magnificent seven, as an opportunity. I think that yes, some of those valuations are are high at the moment, but we think that those sort of valuations, the premium valuations, are sort of justified by the returns that they're delivering, uh, but also sort of the earnings recovery that we're seeing from them. They are leading this sort of earnings recovery. And I think it's sort of justifying some of those valuations. But yeah, I do think um, that given the that sort of macro backdrop that, that is improving, it sets it up for um, any weakness, I think, uh, as opportunity. And I think we saw that, you know, just in the last sort of couple of weeks where, you know, I think it was a week's worth of gains that we had from the S&P 500. You know, the S&P 500 was up more than sort of 6%, basically reversed all of the losses it had over sort of six or seven weeks. So I think that shows the importance of of sort of being invested in markets, uh, time in the market over trying to time the market, if that makes sense. And I think that's really important because you can miss some of those, uh, you know, the best days in markets by sort of being out of them. And I think there is always something to worry about. But for now, we see uh, more positivity ahead rather than uh, risks that are going to be affecting this market. 
I like that. I have a distinct feeling. I'm not sure whether Santa might miss Australia this year, sadly, if we get another rate hike in December. But hey, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for joining me today on the COB. Thanks, Danny. Take care. Have a great week. You too. Okay, Josh Gilbert there from eToro. Okay, so now it's time to check in with some of the movers and shakers and the not so movers and shakers on the market today. There we go, the leaders. Well, no surprises, elders up almost 17% as we see that short covering. Boral, also the market liking the upgrade there, up by almost 5%. Imogene, well, that one was on a tear last week uh, due to some uh, positive uh, trial results going forward for their um, biotechnology. And that is up almost 5%. Also, AUB up 2.5%. NIB, some broker upgrades coming through there. That was up 2% and that is uh, off the back of the AGM comments. Let's have a look at some of the laggards in today's trade. TPG Telecom taking the mantle there. As we've discussed, the Boca Steel has fallen over off by almost 11%. Zero resources, uh, sorry, 10%. Zero off by 7 A brain chip off by 6 West African resources and chalice mining also off by just over 4%. Now I'll have a look at the small caps and let's see what's happening in that space 4d medical my golly gosh that is up 65 percent and i seem to have missed that one so i'm going to have a a quick check to see if i can find out for you and uh, while we look at that we have uh, also arizona lithium up 17 percent interesting ainsworth gaming just that they are in talks um, in terms of uh, achieving, uh, potentially they're, they're looking for someone to buy them out. Now, just looking at 4D Medical, so uh, they, um, so US Centers for Medical and Medicaid Services, CMS, is improve, approves reimbursement for 4D Medical. So they have assigned a 200, US 299 million, um, I think it's to US two. $299 as a reimbursement for their LV, LVAS treatments, so their scans. Uh, so clearly that is very exciting that they will actually get insurance coverage, healthcare coverage for their scans. Uh, then uh, we've got Reef Casino up 8%. Now let's have a look at the laggards in the small caps and a 5E advanced off 14% Victus Energy off also by about 14%, Big Tin Can off by 11 and Iris Metals off by 8%. Now let's check in and see what is happening over a night and actually not much is happening uh, happening overnight so all the news and action will start uh, Tuesday evening our time but for tomorrow we do have quite a lot in the day ahead we've got the NAB business confidence for October the Westpac consumer confidence for November we've got a couple of really big AGMs Goodman Group and Beach Energy earnings for ALQ CAT and CBA yeah, I'm not sure about that one and most importantly NAB is going to go ex-dividend and the Telstra Investor Day is coming out as well. 
So let's do a quick recap of the market. And as we can see, the SIBO 200 is off five points, four tenths of a percent. And the ASX 200 was also closed down by four tenths of a percent, 27 points to 6,948. So also a reminder, registrations are now open for our next virtual investor event. Small Caps Big Ideas is back for 2023 and will be bigger, better and faster. If you weren't a subscriber in previous years, we bring together 10 of Australia's leading small cap fund managers to each present one high conviction idea. And this year we're throwing in a fast and furious a special edition of the call featuring micro caps chosen by you. Register to watch live or on demand at osbeers.co slash caps 23 that's osbiz.co slash smallcaps23. Well, that is it for the COB today. Hope you all have a great evening. Catch up with all those interesting interviews. And we did do quite a lot with UBS live from their UBS conference today. So check those out. Have a great evening. And we'll be back uh, with all the latest news and information starting at 9.30 tomorrow morning. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.